Welcome to the Thuma Literates Podcast, your home for unfiltered, ill-advised, uninterrupted movie talk. I think I said that right. I'll have to talk with Joe after this. I'm your host today, uh, Nathan Stone. Today, uh, Joe and Alex are taking a break, and I'm actually here with a good friend of mine, David McCullough. How are you doing, David? I'm doing fine. So if anyone's not familiar, uh, David McCall is a good friend of mine. Him and I go way back in college. But if there's anyone I can turn to when it comes to comic book lore and comic book stuff, it's this guy. Yeah, well, I mean, I basically got involved in this stuff because our library made the foolish decision of having them be available mm-hmm. where I lived in Los Angeles. And so I would go to the library a lot mm-hmm. um, to read comic books more than I read books. And, uh, it's what you do. Yeah, and it's one, what you do. And one thing led to another. And um, yeah, I basically just got a bunch of, of, of free reads uh, every, um, every other day. And uh, out of all of those, I would say... Batman was was definitely my favorite. So well, I think for me as well, when I grew up, Batman was a huge thing. So, uh, but yeah, so what are we talking about, Batman? Well, let's kind of jump into that. <clears throat> All right. The world of comic book heroes has always been faced with masterminds and archvillains who test the wits and the deeds of these caped crusaders, but none has ever come as close or even compared to the cunningness and the twisted nature of the man who laughs last, the Joker. Spanning nearly 70 years since his debut alongside Batman, the Joker has always been a character of mystery and fascination and terror to all readers and fans, being portrayed also by a caliber of actors on the screen as well as TV. With the release of the new Joker trailer starring Joaquin Phoenix coming out last week, we will sit down and discuss what makes this dastardly clown such a character of study and whether we can eventually hit the glass ceiling in revealing such a dark twisted past for the Joker. So, yeah, just off the bat, you can already tell we're going to be talking about, you know, Batman lore. But, uh, yeah, in general, like, uh, I think you and I really love Batman as far as characters go, as far as, you know, villains go, and just the whole storyline around Gotham. Oh, yeah, it's, uh, it is definitely iconic for a reason. A lot of people have attempted to basically uh, come out with something that, you know, just resonates in the, in the public psyche. But, like, the Batman and those that he faces, why he faces them, from the way that they were um, conceptualized, the way they were depicted, to mm-hmm. what they represented, to mm-hmm. what you could think to them when you wanted to reference a certain type of, you know, ideology or quirk. It just, it is really one of a kind. And it's definitely one of the first and has not lost any of its potency for, like, you know, tons of decades to almost 100 years. So... Yeah, I mean, I think if anything, it's like as we've kind of like expanded this audience, we've just been having this uh, liberty to just go deeper and deeper into each of the character studies. Like villains are much more complex as a result of it. And even that's kind of trickled into just the Marvel universe as well. Like you see a lot of just well-developed characters as well. But I think DC was like the first one to kind of start really paving the way for that. I would say that basically you would have like, you know, uh, Superman, you would have Mm Spider-Man who were probably some of the best light-hearted representations of a superhero back then. I mean, um, but you remember them because you remember Spider-Man. You remember them because you remember Superman. And if you had to think beyond them, you would think, you know, maybe Lois Lane, his Aunt May, uh, and his Hitler mustached boss, J. Jonah Jameson. With Batman, however, you remember Batman. Mm-hmm. But then rather than going, oh, well, the next person you think of is, you know, uh, you know, one of his love interests, Vicky mm-hmm. Vale, or maybe even his butler, Alfred. No, you almost automatically think, well, then there's Joker. Well, then there's Riddler. Well, then there's Penguin. Well, then there's Catwoman. Well, then there's Mr. Freeze. His villains are basically almost as iconic as the person that they face, mm-hmm. where basically his rogues gallery just resonate 
to people mm -hmm. as much as the hero, mm -hmm. the hero himself being dark toned, mm -hmm. and yet the hero himself doesn't lose any of his potency. He is interesting enough to not be outshined by who he faces. Right, yeah. So, I mean, I'm trying to think of somebody who, who, who really has that, um, and it's 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 coming up blank. I mean, maybe I will on the drive home. I don't know. But yeah. so far, that's uh, th that's 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 what makes him uh, cut above. Speaking of uh, drive home, uh, I do actually want to announce that we are actually recording this podcast in a car. Literally, we actually just came out of the movie theaters. We're doing this right on the dashboard. So yeah, and uh, we're in motion, so we have to keep our eye on the road while we do this. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so David, you're gonna have to watch the road while I'm driving. Unfortunately. Got it. Uh, but before we get into our main topic of the evening, which is the Joker, in specific, you know, this legacy of this villain and, you know, why is he iconic, why we're fascinated with him, why is he, you know, meriting an Origins movie, which is going to be coming out in October. Uh, before we get into all that, let's talk a little bit about what we've watched recently this week. So, David, I'll start with you since you're our guest of honor. Uh, what have you been catching up on lately this week? This week? Let me see. Um, I've ironically... Uh watched an episode of um blue bloods uh recently mm -hmm. that's which, a show you're currently like following a lot right yeah it is my family likes it and so whenever it comes on i actually will come downstairs from you know the, the cave that i live in and <laughs> uh and and uh, and watch it with them it's a very very well written show that uh depicts um you know the life of a police family in a way that i think is more realistic than we've seen in a lot of things um there are a lot of cop shows i mean you could you know throw a throw a stick and force and you'd hit one of them but um this one i think in terms of at least writing and actually going into you know the life of uh solving crimes and someone who is able to basically keep their heart you know on the straight and narrow without it being preachy or without it being unrealistic would would be blue bloods it's uh it's it's really well developed and there's a reason why it's been going strong for a number of seasons and right now like uh, dickie Wahlberg as well as tom selnick is they're still on the show right oh very much so they're they're kind of they're kind of the lifeblood of the show if either of them were to go i know it just fall it's just like it would really caps i mean try to tell firefly without mal uh, exactly yeah it's, it's almost impossible you can't do it they're kind of just woven so much into it right cool uh anything else you've been watching uh, let me see. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I attempted to watch um, uh, Batman and the Ninja Turtles again, but it's not anywhere online. So um, uh, at least nowhere that I can get it the right avenue or in good quality. So, uh, But I just I wanted to see it again. It was so dang good. So just to give some people some context, uh, so David and I, we actually went to WonderCon uh, 2019, and we had a chance of actually seeing the premiere of this movie. Um being produced by DC as well as Nickelodeon. And I think all of us, we had a blast watching it. Oh, we had a complete utter blast. No one in that auditorium was ready. Like, you could just feel it throughout the entire audience. Every time something happened that was, you know, was supposed to either be a twist or an epic moment, the entire auditorium, like, resoundingly in unison would either gasp, clap, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, comment on a certain thing, yep. um, or laugh if I didn't say that. Mm -hmm. uh, the movie hit every beat, mm -hmm. and it was too good, really. It really had no business being as good as it was, yeah. given who it's about. It's the Ninja Turtles and Batman. Yeah, you can, like, mess that up so bad. And... I know. It almost begs for you to mess it up, just like, you know, a Scooby-Doo crossover with Supernatural or with Yeah, or there's, with just Batman. A, there's a certain level of, like, hokiness. Like, you can't really buy into all these universes just colliding like this. But somehow... 
they made this serious. Yeah, they did. And I mean, and for those who don't know, Troy Baker voiced both Joker and Batman. He I, did a fantastic yeah. job. Yeah, and, and kind of funny thing is we actually had the chance of seeing the full cast there, Troy Baker included. Right. And he was able to do a side-by-side Batman and Joker talking right. at the same time. And that's a that's always a treat to watch. Well, yeah, he's he's always a treat to watch and listen regardless what what he's doing. He's working his way up towards being a Mel, a Mel Blanc of our time. But yeah. aside from that, um, mm-hmm. no, the movie was good. That has definitely informed uh, uh, where my mind has been going for the last few days. Um, let me see if there's anything else that I've watched recently. Really? Um, I saw Bumblebee in its completion finally. Mm-hmm. Which surprisingly, actually, you know, from just a long strain of just really just overbearing Michael Bay-ish, you know, Transformers movies, this is a refreshing take, isn't it? It was refreshing, yeah. So you you could feel the absence of Bay there. Yes. And Which is, we need that. We, we, we did need that. Is it is it an amazing movie? No, no, it isn't. Is it is it, you know, a movie that's like, oh my gosh, you know, break down the doors to see it? No. But I definitely get why people saw it again and again. The action, you can actually tell what's going on. It doesn't look like somebody taking car keys and just jangling them in front of the screen in the positions of where people should be. Um, I- the Autobots felt like the toys did, which mm-hmm. I think everybody wanted originally, honestly. I mean, by the toys, I don't mean like, oh, yeah, it was kitty. No, it was yeah. violent. They blew people up. Yeah, They but blew the, human beings up into as, as jelly, far, but... As far as, like, the design of them transforming into, like, their cars or their, you know, the yeah. contraptions, it felt like, okay, we're going back to the basics of what the Transformers looked like. Yeah, they it. felt like characters, and I appreciated that. They, uh, speaking of character, I think that's another big thing with the Bumblebee movie that they kind of got right, which is, let's tell a story that has heart. Let's have a story yeah. that there's a core They, they Okay, I will say this much. Um, if I'm going to be fair, the humans in this movie are also, eh, you know, they're okay. Yeah. There's nothing really to write home about them, but they thankfully aren't obnoxious, mm-hmm. which almost all of them were in the previous ones. They we're not screaming and just shooting that stuff. Yeah, this one was like, it was obviously trying very hard to be an 80s wanting to grow up story mm-hmm. with a girl. Yeah. And had dialogue that was eh, so-so. Again, nothing to write home about. It really made you want to say, can we get back to the Autobots yep. shooting at each other? Yeah. But, um, like I said, what was what was a treat was that I, I it wasn't grating to see them. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, either explosions or, or crassness or smut fest for the sake of themselves. Mm-hmm. And more just like, okay... If, if they have to be our avatars to get us to where we're going to see Bumblebee and who the hell was he? Starscream fighting again, then then so be it. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's enough to kind of carry you through as opposed to like the yeah. original ones. There's only so much of Therese Gibson and so much of Shia LaBeouf that can just carry you through it. B- basically, if this movie, which was done by the guy who made uh, Kubo, by the way, mm-hmm. um, if, if this movie is able to springboard him, and evidently it has, to making another one, then, because uh, this was sort of like his audition movie, then mm-hmm. if we just basically get another movie of this, but with more Transformers actually doing stuff where they're actually fighting, where they're actually shooting, where they're actually strategizing like it's a war, mm-hmm. and it just not be around, you know, weird MacGuffins of, you know, cubes and Merlin stabs and other things, um, then yeah, they, they, they do a good job. So, uh I'm not going to follow this, you know, new series, like, religiously, like, oh, yeah, I finally got me back into Transformers again. I'm just saying, like, no, this is a good direction, and you have my blessing. Anyway, that and Into the Spider-Verse. I rewatched that. I think, honestly, you cannot get enough of Into the Spider-Verse. No, you can't. 
it's it's just that good a movie. It's that good a Spider-Man movie. And when I say Spider-Man, what I mean is, what I love about it is that that movie, and I know this is supposed to be about Joker, but I'll close it off here, mm-hmm. actually was made by people who understand what Spider-Man is, mm-hmm. like as a concept. Mm-hmm. And the movie was about that, not about any one web slinger. Mm-hmm. And like, you can tell that this is a Spider-Man story, regardless who is behind the mask here, which doesn't make it vague or, like, you know, arbitrary. Like, it does depend on who's behind the mask, but the whole principle of what it means to be Spider-Man, and this movie got it, and it made you actually fall in love with the people who hadn't worn the mask before who now are wearing it, and basically was able to prove that it just doesn't make you a reskin of Peter Parker or a recolor OC. Um... And uh, yeah, it was it, it was that good a movie. If you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a reason why it won an Oscar. I'll put it that pretty much way. every award in the book. When you think about it, it's like it swept every single like award at oh, all. Oh yeah. Of and actually, you know, you kind of are setting the stage with like what we will be talking about the Joker because I think what made this movie work so well is because it had liberty to kind of go off like the original Marvel canon that we're so used with Peter Parker because. With the story of Into the Spider-Verse, it's dealing with multiple universes. So there's a lot more freedom to really just explore all these different facets of what makes Spider-Man great and why we love Spider-Man and why we can still have fun with Spider-Man and be serious at the same time. So yeah, uh, is there anything else you want to share? Like anything else you want? No, that's all I'd care to talk about so that we don't waste time. Sure, okay. Uh, for me, I'll, I'll be pretty brief. I haven't really watched too much stuff lately. The big thing I've been trying to catch up on, getting back to DC, is Doom Patrol. So, <laughs> no, honestly. I have not caught up. I'm not. I'm just, I kind of had to take a little hiatus as we were just kind of like getting ready for WonderCon and other stuff going on. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I was watching just two more episodes this past week. And I like what it's kind of doing right now. So in the beginning, it was focusing on certain groups of characters in the main group. And then now it's starting to shift its attention to the actual female leads in the group. So I won't go into any details for those who haven't seen it. Okay. But I think what like hooked me in the beginning was just seeing Brendan Fraser as Robot Man Cliff. Oh, yeah, that is definitely a highlight. And then, you know, you get Negative Man Larry coming into the picture as well as uh, Cyborg. But now the attention is focusing a lot more on Crazy Jane as well as Elastic Girl and their backstories and how it plays into this bigger picture. And I, I would have to admit, those two were the ones I had the hardest game on board. Now, they're really changing my opinion, especially Crazy Jane. I'm not too thrilled about the actress choice, but she's kind of showing she's pulling some stuff from her hat, which is like, oh, wow, you kind of did something there that's really cool, and I like it. Can't say all of her performances are great, but when she has a good performance in the show, it really does shine through. Okay. I wish I could say the same thing for the kid who's playing Cyborg, but he's, he's just too rookie good. And okay. and it's it's I'm not seeing any involvement in that, but I'm still fascinated. I think the show's getting better. I like how it's dark, but then we'll throw a Deadpool humor twist that comes out of nowhere, and you're like, "What the f?" I, I feel like I'm gonna start sounding like a robot man from it. Uh, Brandon Fraser. He just says "What the f?" all the time. It's becoming <laughs> like his running gag line. I uh, recently rewatched Us. We actually came back from watching us. This is my second time, David's first time. Yeah. And I was trying to rewatch it again to see if it still holds up to my first watch of it. Does it? Uh, I think the stuff that is good is good. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the climax I still love. The opening home invasion aspect I still think is amazing. 
Um, I am kind of now getting on everyone on the same boat. Like, yes, it's not fully fleshed out of a concept or a script as Get Out was. Like, let's face it, Jordan Peele's Get Out is phenomenal and its execution as well as writing. I think still, and I'll still say to this true, what I like about us is how it shows Jordan Peele's able to present to us a supernatural, like black mirrorish world and pull it off effectively. Um, even if there's still plot holes in it, he still is able to keep you engaged all the way as opposed to losing me. I mean, I think for some people, it's they get, still get lost in the end with like everything trying to be explained. I don't know. I still enjoy it. And I think uh, I think it's the performances as well as just his use of just the, the, the music and the cinematographer just is... I would say that Get Out is more of a psychological horror thriller where it is designed to make you think and mm. see what threads lead to what threads. Right. This movie is a bit more just like a creepy as hell fairy tale, if anything, set in the modern world. Mm-hmm. Um, not like it is like, you know, something like from Grimm or anything, but there's, there's enough fantastical elements going on, um, regardless how they try to explain it, that the point isn't how they came to be. What point, what, what matters is, Mm -hmm. is what is happening. Exactly. And where the movie excels is basically is in making you terrified in the now Mm -hmm. for the people involved Mm -hmm. and just the sheer scope of what's happening. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, if you're going to the end and you're expecting a fleshed out explanation the way there is in Get Out, there really isn't one. Mm -hmm. But again, that's not the point of it where Get Out tries to make you, you know, you know, think about the plausibility of things. This one is just more of, well, trying to scare you and it succeeds it does succeed i like how it begins like a home invasion and then it gets into kind of like a lot more of just like uh just yeah you're right like it hits all those points very well actually you bring up a very interesting point it is kind of executed more as like a kind of like a dark brother's grim fairy tale in a way i mean like in just in the beginning there's elements of them of the girl wandering through the woods. Um, it, there's even like a, a little story that's told halfway through that feels like a fable to make, you know, kind of like have this underlying theme going on. So you're kind of right that there are these like fantasy fairy tale elements to it. And I, I kind of treat it as such. Like there's not supposed to be a big thought out explanation of what this is or even just a bigger social commentary. It's just, it's giving you an experience. And I love the ride it gives. Yeah. So I think for me, second viewing, it still holds true. It's still one of my favorite movies of this year. Keep it real, Jordan Peele. Yep, don't fail us with uh, the Twilight series. All right, uh, well, I guess that covers everything we watched. So well, why don't we dive into our main topic for today, The Joker. <laughs> my mother always tells me to smile and put on a happy face. She told me I had a purpose to bring laughter and joy to the world. Is it just me? Or is it getting crazier out there?
So that was Joaquin Phoenix doing his take on the Joker. I know. And so let's face it, he is now in that whole like caliber of actors who have gone on to play the Joker. Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger. Cesar Romero. Cesar Romero, Jared Leto. Mark Hamill, let's say. Mark Hamill, there we go. Why do better know Mark Hamill? (laughs) Yeah, Mark Hamill, freaking Kevin Michael Richardson, Joan DiMaggio. Mm -hmm. um, Well, Troy Baker as well. Yeah, and Troy Baker. And mention that I feel needs to be out there because people need to know more. Anthony and Gruber. That's true, yeah. You voiced him in in the Telltale game about Batman. And uh, and that's another origin story. It kind of dabbles. it is. It's actually another origin story. Well, it's an origin story of Batman, mm. but you, as you do, it also witness the origin of the Joker, mm-hmm. and it is thus far the second I want to say origin story of Joker alongside Batman's mm-hmm. that was able to. Uh, actually sell itself and grab you by how they did it. Mm-hmm. We're like, you know, with the first one being Arkham Origins, and that's where Troy Baker had to reprise Joker, or rather mm-hmm. had to, you know, do the voice of Joker because Mark Hamill couldn't for reasons. Mm-hmm. And first off, Troy Baker sounded just like Mark Hamill. It was terrifying. Well, I think, like, even when we kind of saw him at WonderCon, it's almost like you can't even tell the difference sometimes. Yeah, it was, it was unnerving. But in Origins, he's Joker already, and really the the most that you get into it is uh, knowing that Batman is why he fell into a vat, and that's it. Yeah. With uh, the Telltale Batman game, uh, Joker has he's fallen into the vat, and you're st- but here's the difference. In Origins, Joker's Joker already. Like, he's already mad. He's already crazy. He's already mm-hmm. a terrorist. This version of him, he, he, he's he been bleached. His, his skin's been bleached. But he's, he's coming as, like, a patient in Arkham. Yeah, right? he's in Arkham. Basically, he was found, like, roaming the streets, homeless, and yeah. laughing at everyone. So, you know, they took him in. Mm-hmm. And he's been trying to figure shit out. He's, um, and I'll get into this a bit more, but... Mm-hmm. um. He's really just a lost soul trying to figure out where he fits into a world that doesn't make sense. And Anthony Gruber takes that version of him as a, a young man, because Bruce mm-hmm. Wayne's also a young man in the mm-hmm. game. And you get to see where, you know, Bruce Wayne is going to become this this epic crusader, but also where Joker is going to become this utter terrifying nightmare. Mm-hmm. And it sells you on both. And this movie with Phoenix made me kind of think of that. Yeah. So you see all these actors, this great talent behind all these different projects playing the Joker, and you have to realize it's the Joker as a character itself is almost becoming an iconic role that most actors would only dream of playing or just the opportunity to play. So David, let's kind of delve into this topic. What is it about the Joker that makes him so iconic? Like, why is it that we're so fascinated with this character? Okay, so... This is as near as I can fathom mm-hmm. as, a, as a fan from those who I've talked to about it, from those, uh, from me, myself, why I'm interested in him, mm-hmm. to what the appeal has been to him in countless adaptations. Mm-hmm. I won't say first and foremost, but one of the big ones is, frankly, he's a fun villain. Yeah. He is interesting to watch. He is interesting to see do. Mm-hmm. He is interesting to see rationalize. Mm-hmm. He is interesting to see be beaten. He's even interesting to see win. Mm-hmm. He's just a engrossing, 
fascinating, you know, character mm -hmm. with an ideology which, you know, can shift from either just pure anarchy to pure sadism mm -hmm. to actually believing that he's the only one sane and everyone else is insane. Mm -hmm. There's there's a plethora of where to go in for there for for what drives him and motivates him. But what it results in consistently is just someone who you just eat up to see be him mm -hmm. you know in the same way that we love watching batman be batman the stoic cowboy samurai yeah you know um uh vigilante detective cop we as much as we love to see him be the dark brooding hero we love seeing him being the villain he yes. does villain so well mm -hmm. so classy mm -hmm. so scary and so smart you know and again and so fun you yeah. know uh, that he, you know, he makes you laugh as he proceeds to be a horrible person. Oh yeah, and and the funny thing is, is like you look at like the the history of the Joker mm -hmm. since when he first appeared in DC to him being on the Adam West show to what he is now seen today. Mm -hmm. It's it's been an evolution of this character. It's not been a character that came off the page of like, oh, this is him in his prime form. It's it's kind of evolved over the years. And let's face it. Back in the day, being a superhero or kind of ha having an actor be a superhero or even a supervillain was almost so hokey. It's kind of like you're playing dress up. And now today, it's like most actors would just kill to have a role like that. So it's just interesting that as this character has evolved, we found other places, other ways we can go and, you know, expand on this character. Oh, no, for sure. And uh, just again, to go off of what also fascinates him is that because Batman is a superhero that roots itself specifically in urban crime mm -hmm. and gritty darkness that, you know, cops sometimes turn to drinking to forget. Mm -hmm. He's the apex of that in a way in terms of just embodying that, you know, in a way depravity or just losing oneself to the dark places that uh, that humanity can go. Basically, of the comic book verse, he is immortalized as the Jack the Ripper of comic books. Yes. He is the mm -hmm. Ted Bundy. He is the Unabomber. Basically, everything that would make you think of a famous, iconic, you know, um, mm -hmm. um, um, villain who, you know, has a design that can threaten the masses mm -hmm. all rolled into one into this package. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, for those who basically follow Batman, not just for the, you know, the, the gimmicks and the bat orangs and mm -hmm. the bat planes and everything, but actually want to see it for the, you know, the, the, the places that it goes as a detective saga. He is most certainly the engrossing version of a Moriarty to who is, you know, a Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, and I think you actually used the right word, immortal. Um, the Joker in this Gotham world, in this comic book world, has really dawned upon that mantle. And it's just where he's at today, what he represents, it's kind of like he is the face of evil in this town of Gotham. And mm -hmm. it's kind of like, I love how a lot of people love to explore that and even just, you know, show the madness behind that. And I think it's, I think, a big reason why so many actors kind of like flock to the chance to do this and explore and play with it. Because you're right, he is a character you have a lot of fun with. At the same time, it's also a character that just goes places that you, you, you're afraid of just seeing. Like, it's this dark side of humanity that... All of us are capable of becoming just as mad as the Joker, or even worse. Um, it's just, yeah, you're right. There's a lot to be worth exploring there. You want to know how I got these scars? My father was a drinker and a fiend. And one night, he goes off crazier than usual. Mommy gets the kitchen knife to defend herself. He doesn't like that. Not one bit. So, me watching, he takes
takes the knife to her, laughing while he does it. He turns to me, and he says, Why so serious? He comes at me with the knife. Why so serious? He sticks the blade in my mouth. Let's put a smile on that face. Let's kind of go on to the next topic, which is, you know, as every good hero and every good villain exists out there, there's always a place of where did they start? Um, and you were touching upon this earlier, like in DC, they really kind of took the effort to, for all these villains, not to make them so two-dimensional, but show they have a backstory. They came from some kind of an upbringing that got them to where they're at. Whether that was from humble beginnings or from just a very terrible place, you see where they're coming from and you kind of, I wouldn't say empathize with them, but you see the reasoning behind their madness. Right. The Joker is one of those characters who remains an enigma. You have no idea what his origin is. And even like, you know, Heath Ledger, I mean, a lot of uh, um, film critics and reviewers out there will always reference Heath Ledger's performance in The Dark Knight. But how he keeps changing the origin story of his scars is just showing this other complexity of the Joker that you have no idea of what origin story he's telling is the truth, whether it's a lie, whether it's something he's just tapping in to see what scares you, or if all of it's true. He's just showing a fraction of that. So why do you think it's like, it has worked so well that the Joker has never really kind of had an origin story. Honestly, because he is the monster in the house mm -hmm. in a horror movie. And as much as it is frightening and terrifying to fully know what it is that is coming after you, mm -hmm. it is actually more unnerving to have a piece of that missing to where you are left flailing, grasping in the dark, mm -hmm. not sure which end is up, mm -hmm. why you're being hunted the way you are. Because in a situation like that, you are grasping for certainty yes. of something. Mm -hmm. And with Joker, there is no certainty. With Batman, he knows how to basically usually get the best of, you know, mm -hmm. the Riddler because he's got a massive ego. And if he can actually distract him via him trying to prove that he's smarter mm -hmm. or maybe, you know, um, um, outsmart him to a degree or just dependably keep him distracted by, you know, a, a, a brain teeth or a chance for him to show off, mm -hmm. he can beat him. Penguin really is just a representation of just, you know, the, the Al Capone sort of crime boss, yeah. but with a bird gimmick. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, really just take him down like you would any mug. Or even like someone like Harvey Dent, which, you know, obviously... Two-Face, he is yeah. clinically cripplingly bound to this, you know, this thought that he cannot make a decision for himself mm -hmm. unless chance gives him that absolution. Mm -hmm. Joker, there is none of that. He is a, a Russian roulette wheel that just spins and spins. You don't know where it's going to land. Mm -hmm. All you know is that there is an intent to kill in there, mm -hmm. and you can't predict that. He is unpredictable, and mm -hmm. it's one of the things that makes him terrifying in knowing that as much as there are things you can predict about Joker, mm -hmm. there is also a bunch that you can't because you don't know where he came from, what built him. Mm -hmm. There's no roots for you to chop that tree down. Right. Because it just keeps going down, down, down into an abyss. You mm -hmm. don't know where it starts, where it ends. And that's what really makes it work for his character design as well. And, and now let's kind of go into this kind of a territory. Um, does someone like the Joker merit an origin story? Does he need one? Or is even to think of something like that, to say, we have to have a place of where the Joker first came from, is that even taboo? Here's I, my opinion on yeah. that. Joker, at his best, mm -hmm. doesn't have one, nor does he require one mm -hmm. outside of just knowing that there was a vat, he fell into it, he's the Joker now. And somewhere there's a fascination with clowns or being a comic or... 
Right, and you can pepper that in there. The, however, if you are going to tell his story, you cannot do it simply if you're going to be in depth. You mm. have to do it as some sort of deconstruction. And by that, I don't mean like you have to make sure that you hit every nail on the head and you have to put this here and that here. I'm just saying that if you are going to tell an origin story about Joker, you have to fit it in where when he becomes Joker, he is still the Joker, not the character you made, which becomes what we think of when we think of as Joker. No, the end result always has to be that sadistic, bloodlusting yeah. comedian who outsmarts police stations, mm -hmm. Batman, and even the U.S. government repeated times over because of who he is, that, that immortal figure. And the best you can do is basically just pepper in a story that does its best to explain how he could have gotten there. But again, you have to hit the nail on the head where you hit those points right where it counts. So that just means, oh, well, you know what? He always left clowns when he was a kid and then his dad beat him. Now he's the Joker. It can't be that simple. You no. have to actually, first of all, show him as someone who is in a mental state to where when he becomes Joker, mm -hmm. it's unmistakable. Yeah, and I think if anything, that's just something as time has evolved, this character has evolved of like how he became who he is. He's, he's, he's merited that. You yeah. need to really expand and even go deeper and even just more ambiguous of like, where does this all come from? Because even back then when DC Comics first came out, you could be simple with your storytelling. Today, it's much more required. You need to kind of dig a lot deeper into well, what also, this is. Well, also in the Golden Age comics and in some of the comics where you know Batman used a gun. Right, um, uh, it's for anyone who doesn't know, Batman actually killed people. Originally, yeah, they hadn't made him quite for kids yet. Nope, but, nope. But um, anyway, Joker was actually more similar to uh, to what Christopher Nolan went with, where he was basically a, a murderous man mm -hmm. who was insane, who was also a very good gangster, mobster. Mm -hmm. Frankly, it didn't matter where he came from. What mattered is that he was Joker now. Yep. And Nolan... God bless him, took that and basically brought a version of Joker where he didn't need to be pushed into a vat to be over the edge. No, he was already there. He was already there. What it took to get him there doesn't matter. And they would cement that mm -hmm. with like everything he did, to everything he said, to how he explained himself. Mm -hmm. And that speaks to a point I was going to make about how if you're going to tell a story of Joker... Mm -hmm right up and until he falls into the vat, which is all well and cool because the vat is a good, in a weird way, baptism from taking you from one place and just skyrocketing you to the other side. Right. You know, of, of that madness to where you become this almost inhumane mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. What Joker is, is so far apart from how humanity works that really the vat shouldn't be as much of a prerequisite, which is what I actually like with what this movie is saying, where it isn't like, oh, he was an average Joe. You know, I guess his wife died and that was sad. And then he got, you know, hoodwinked into, you know, putting on a costume. And then he, uh, you know, he fell into that. And then all of a sudden he just gets matrixed into a psychopath where it's like, all of a sudden I know Kung Fu. But instead of yeah. Kung Fu, it's like all of this intricate ways of how to unsmart people. No, Joker honestly kind of needs to be somebody who is already in a position where he's halfway there, mm -hmm. where in of himself, he is in a dark enough place mm -hmm. or is a dark enough person or both mm -hmm. to where all it takes is the one bad day 
to take him the rest of the way. Mm -hmm. Because with Batman, what makes him relatable, what makes him humane, is he witnessed the death of loved ones right in front of him at a very young age. Right. Lots of people, even if they can't empathize with that from experience, thankfully, they can see where that would, you know, mm -hmm. mess with you, drive you to become something else. As where with Joker, to become as complex and as elaborate and as dangerous as he is just by himself. Mm -hmm. Can't be something as simple as, well, you know, then his mother was killed in front of him and from that day on he decided to become a what we think of as Joker. It has to have more layers than that. Uh, well, I mean, if you're going to address it at all. Which is why, frankly, it is almost better to not try it all because you risk not doing what Joker is justice mm -hmm. to where it's like, okay, so he had that kind of a lousy day and then this happened to him and then he fell into a vat and that's how he got Joker? Eh, well, just as well. At least he's interesting when he's Joker. Mm -hmm. But if you're actually going to try to make Joker a person, mm -hmm. You, you you kind of have to Breaking Bad layer that shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I kind of feel like it's... And that's the one thing I think... I wouldn't say it's what's making me nervous about this movie because... Um, and we'll talk about the trailer and what we kind of think is going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, but the one thing that makes me nervous about is like, is it going to go too much in this direction of them trying to create this humanized side of the Joker? Is it going to go too much in this direction of we want to try and empathize with him, kind of like what we just mentioned with the other DC characters. Is it safe to go in that direction? I mean, we've you've been just, you know, talking how there's a delicate way of doing it and that we have to show whoever Joker started out before the VAT, he needs to have already had that madness in him. It was just a matter of time. And who knows? Like, we've seen several, several other attempts of trying to explain an origin story of the Joker. Some have been good. Others have been questionable and even off canon gotham is a show i'm referencing gotham is a very very interesting so, you know thing. there have been attempts to make it but i think uh david you're kind of right in that whatever origin story you decide to go with you really need to show that this character was already the joker underneath it was just a matter of time before he cracked and he came out gotham has lost its way what kind of coward would do something that cold-blooded? Someone who hides behind a mask. I used to think that my life was a tragedy. But now I realize it's a comedy. But yeah, now let's talk about the trailer um, for the new Joker movie. I mean, before this trailer was released, uh, we've only been given like behind the scenes production shots, uh, like a, a vignette with Joaquin Phoenix posing on screen. This was the first time we got to see what it looks like in its full form. And I don't know. I'm excited. Everyone was excited. And let me just say, all rounds on me. I have uh, I have bought the farm. Um, full side plates of crow for everyone who ever told me that this is going to look like shit when it premieres on a trailer. <laughs> I told y'all once they said they had Joaquin Phoenix doing this, that they had Martin Scorsese involved for the first portions of it mm -hmm. and what his looks were. And they're like, oh, look at him. He looks like freaking Ronald McDonald. This is going to suck. I'm like, just you wait. Yeah. This, this has the makings 
of being something that is going to make everyone, you know, just go, whoa, 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 hold, hold the hell up. And mm-hmm. then it premiered. So, you know what? I don't know how good or bad this movie is going to be. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying I was right. It, 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 <laughs> at least you can flaunt that. Yeah. I, can, I can flaunt that at least. But no. And the reason for that is because, I mean, for anyone who's seen Joaquin Phoenix in anything from Johnny Cash to The Master right. to even when he was freaking Commodus and Gladiator. I know. He is good at playing disturbed and damaged people. I think, well, and that's one thing he's really trying to, you know, leverage himself is he wants to go for those kind of roles. And that's why I think even when he agreed to this, I was like, really? He wants to play the Joker. But no, I actually kind of like now how DC is kind of backing off on these, like, kind of these solo projects, these origin projects that they're giving the directors and actors the carte blanche to do what they need to do to tell a good story. And... This is kind of showing that. And you kind of hinted at this, uh, how Scorsese was involved in this. And that's one thing that the internet has been blowing up about on how much this movie reminds them of Taxi Driver, the king of comedy. And you kind of now get an idea of what kind of movie this is going to be. It feels like Todd Phillips knows exactly what kind of stories he's telling. And it really feels like it is going to be a character study, but showing how the system and a city, as corrupted as Gotham is, is kind of what made this character, who is being pitched as Arthur, went to the place that he went to where he became the Joker. This movie is taking the uh, the ideal of, and I mean, this has been said in a number of, of Batman comics uh, before, where Gotham was such a vile, uh, repugnant, despicable, you know, cesspool. It was like the chemical vat that he fell into. Mm-hmm. He said that the perfect, you know, allegory of this is that it was so dark and malleable that it, like an abyss, like the, you know, like a crevice to hell, spat up horrors, Mm -hmm. nightmares. And he was a nightmare and Batman was a nightmare. Mm -hmm. And in a way, that's true. Gotham created and coughed out the Batman, Mm -hmm. which is this agent of just sheer outrage Mm -hmm. at what spawned him. Mm Joker is kind of the opposite kind of, that. of just lives in that and like appreciates the sheer monster that he has become and frankly probably even always was and just like a bacteria wants to spread more of himself. Yeah, it kind of just references a little bit of like what Heath Ledger said from The Dark Knight where he is having that interrogation scene with Batman where he's talking about, you know what? I'm not a bad guy. I'm just ahead of a curve. The whole city is kind of on this way. I'm just really showing you for what it really is and what it's trying to hide itself not to be. I'm just it out in the open, and I'm embracing it. One of the, I think, best examples of this is referenced in uh, an adaptation of uh, Batman mm-hmm. and uh, one of his uh, former protégés, Jason Todd, mm-hmm. who becomes the Red Hood, Mm -hmm. where in one scene you see that a place is going to be destroyed. Mm -hmm. Batman does everything he can to pull a body out of the building that's going to blow up. Joker has a chance to leave. Mm -hmm. Instead, he tackles someone trying to escape and holds them there because he'd rather have them go with him. That is a perfect example of what separates these two kinds of Mm -hmm. icons is that Batman is someone who was created by this hellish place and is consistently trying to pull people out with him Mm -hmm. up to the surface, up to the light. Joker is consistently trying to say, no, no, this is better. 
I'm taking you with me. It's almost like a really kind of like an allegory of just the battle of good and evil and wills, just like in this almost kind of like, I don't want to call it like a limbo kind of state of mind, but this world of like where there is, there's only heaven and hell and you're going to go either yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, I mean, hell, they have, they have drawn allegory between Batman and Joker is, you know, Lucifer and Michael for a number of times. Mm-hmm. And it is perfect in that you think that, you know, as we think of Satan and his ideology where he is destined to lose, everything he's doing is to basically damn as many as he can with him. Yeah, it's like, I I'm a, I know I'm a crashing ship, but I am taking everyone down with me. Right. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, again, all of this, mm-hmm. as I'm making my hand gestures for those who can't <laughs> see it, it's in this particular canon of, of a DC character that we've just gone into. Mm-hmm. Joker is much more big picture he is in the same picture. way that Batman is big picture. He doesn't just want to, I want to only stop rapists. I only, I want to stop only bank robbers or mm-hmm. I only want to stop people that carry guns. He is like, no, I am looking at where humanity feels like this is what they have to resort to, to survive. Mm-hmm. I must remove that. Yes. I must basically save a city and then as he gets more into his career, the reason why he even joins the Justice League is because he wants to remove that from the world. He wants to make his environment a better place mm-hmm. for everyone else to prevent more of himself. As for a Joker, the opposite of that is big enough of a picture to be like, a, it really doesn't matter who I kill? What matters is that I leave this place in worser shape with my name on it. Mm-hmm than it was before I came on the scene. And it almost kind of, and kind of going back to this new Joker movie that's coming out, the direction it's going with almost like a Travis Bickle kind of approach to where Joker comes from and what his motivation is. You're right. It almost kind of feels like he wants to take Gotham to that awful place that has always been awful to him. And I don't know. It just makes me excited. I think a good example. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because some people have been saying, oh, so here's where we're going to see where, you know, this person, this character was created and he was a nice little boy and then he becomes. Yeah. And I think they're missing the point. Right. He is like a Hannibal Lecter. Mm -hmm. When you think of Hannibal Lecter and his, Mm -hmm. hello, Dr. Clary, you know. You think of that. You think of this almost inhumane, mm-hmm. you know, monster of of, 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 of of a thing wearing a human suit. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to tell an origin story of him like they tried to in Animal Rising, mm-hmm. it tried to help you understand that this person becomes the ideology that pushes Joker forward. Mm-hmm. And that's what's important. It's not like a, how can you take a normal person and bring them to the brink to where they become what you think of as Joker? Mm-hmm. Because, again, he's not supposed to be... And every man, really, right. he's not supposed to be relatable. Mm-hmm. He is supposed to kind of be the icon of that kind of sadistic wickedness. Right. Ergo, it's more explaining how that sadistic wickedness found a face mm-hmm. as opposed to how you or me could become him. Yeah, With it, Mr. It, Freeze, it, you mm-hmm. could think, I have a wife, I love her. If I lost her, I could become like that. Mm-hmm. Or, hell, I have a life that is so not fair that I could see myself snapping to the brink where, you know, give me enough mental trauma, I might want to absolve all responsibility to a coin flip mm-hmm. or, a you know, a D20 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Joker should not, I want to say, you can fight me on this, should not have that. I could see myself becoming Joker one day. Joker well, we don't day. definitely have to go that far. But, but the yeah. point is, is that should never be the... 
the goal no, in yeah. mind. You should try to be setting it up so that what you think of as Joker is possible as opposed to how does a man become him is how did Joker become himself. Exactly, yeah. I'm really hoping Joaquin Phoenix pulls some very interesting stuff out of that hat. Because you kind of brought this up a little bit about like how I think one thing that a lot of fans of DC comic like how all these villains and heroes do represent something about the human condition which we can all resonate with and that it just puts a face to it. Um, and where we don't know where this movie, The Joker, is going to go into those places, it's exciting to see. And I'm wishing Joaquin Phoenix and Todd Phillips the best of luck with pulling off a successful uh, movie. And I just hope, at least for me, that this lives up to all the hype I'm getting right now from it. As am I. I mean, let me just put it out there. I was very much against this uh, this movie being made. I yeah. was like, no, don't don't make an origin story. Well, movie. I was Please too. Do yeah, this this is a terrible idea, and I actually still hold to that. Now I just praise even, the, even though when you actually heard about Joaquin Phoenix, I, I yeah. have praised the who's allowed of it in the past few minutes, but I still hold to the fact that I still think that a solo or rather that a origin story of Joker is not inherently a good idea, not because in and of itself is awful as much, even though, again, I prefer him not to have one at all. It's that if you are going to do it, you have to do it well. Right. You cannot do it 7 out of 10. Yeah. But either way, the movie comes out October 4th. Joaquin Phoenix, we wish you the best of luck. And Amen. Yeah, amen. And uh, we just hope you put a smile on all of our faces, as you promised in that trailer. Yep. All right. Well, I think uh, that kind of wraps up for our podcast for today. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to talk about the Joker while we still have time? Um, honestly, just that I am eager to see how this take differs from other adaptations. Mm-hmm. Um, and it shades because, I mean, we were just referencing all the different people that have played them. Like, right. you know, Cesar Romero is definitely the, he's the Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. And I think Joker. at the time that just worked for the Batman universe. But you can't deny he left an iconic mark. Oh no on no the no no! He yeah. is he's one of the good ones in my opinion. Oh he's, no, he's, he's very one of good. Greats. He is, as campy and as outrageous as it no, was for it's... that tone of Batman. Yeah, he was great. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, then you'd have Mark Hamill, who is what you think of usually when you imagine Joker's voice. Right, exactly. So if anyone's not familiar, Mark Hamill did voice uh, the Joker in the Batman animated series that came out in the nineties. Correct. And it's from that role a lot of people just have kind of like used and pulled apart and just looked at how he kind of just created this character just from the voice. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, then you, of course, have Jack Nicholson's where they mm-hmm. gave him an origin insofar that you know he was a bad man mm-hmm. who then got pushed into a vat of toxic acid. You don't know why Jack is the way he is, mm-hmm. nor do you need to. You know he's despicable and evil. And now he's worse. You know, one thing I actually will give Jack Nicholson a lot of credit for is him bringing his strengths as an actor to the role of the Joker. Not really having to, I've got to be the Joker and all that. He's just, he is bringing his take of it. And I think that's what a lot of other actors following that have kind of used Heath Ledger, Jared Leto, and now even Joaquin Phoenix. They're all bringing their own um, experience. And I would prefer someone bring their own voice to the character. Yes. Now someone would say, oh, well then why do you, you know, for instance, hate, you know, Jared Leto so much if he's just bringing his own voice. And the but, re- reason for that, honestly, at least for me. Mm-hmm. So for anyone who's a big fan of Jared Leto's Joker, we're just about to bash him to death. So basically no offense to you, but you're wrong. So <laughs> the, um, is that 
I have absolutely no problem with him having grills in his teeth. I have no problem with him having lots of tattoos. Mm -hmm. I have no problem with him being an inner city crime boss, Mm -hmm. you know, type. My problem with him is that there was so much of that and so little of what makes Joker Joker that he might as well have not been. And that I always kind of find a crime is Mm -hmm. that he just really seemed more like the guy you don't make eye contact with in prison and nothing else. Exactly. um, Who happened to unfortunately resemble a blow-up doll. And um, Mm -hmm. I would have preferred if for all of, you know, this clout that evidently Jared Leto has from other pictures Mm -hmm. to have actually been channeled into finding a way to feel like the character he's emulating. Mm -hmm. And by that, I don't mean like, you better feel like Mark Hamill. You better feel like Jack Nicholson. I'm like, no, but even they are trying to be Joker. Yes. And Joaquin Phoenix, without us even seeing what he's going to look like at the end of the movie, Mm feels like Joker waiting to happen. Well, especially just in the trailer when he is really trying to, like, he's put, he has the clown makeup, he's in the mirror, and he's, he's forcing well, himself to smile. Or just around everyone else, or even just him and his clown makeup cracking up on the subway. These are all little moments of, like, this feels like Joker. You're right. And it's bringing that kind of stuff to the table. I suppose to what Jared Leto was, which is creepy thug guy who is nothing like the Joker. Right. Basically, having a mob by your side and a gang to do your bidding and then having clown makeup does not a Joker make. No. There are tons of other Gotham rogues that have different kinds of quirks that, you know, have all of that Mm -hmm. without the clown makeup. Mm -hmm. It it takes a certain something to actually be the clown prince of crime. Oh, yeah. A kind of personality to it, a type of flair to it. Mm -hmm. And... Like I said, what has excited so many people about this is without us actually getting to see what he looks like, mm-hmm. which I am thankful the marketers are taking a key from uh, from The Dark Knight and taking so long to reveal... What he actually looks like. What, no, well, we've seen what he looks like. They haven't revealed what he will look like when he becomes Joker. And I, think, and I don't want them to. Yeah. I want to see him for the first time on the silver screen yeah. when he, if he does fall into the vat of toxic waste, if that's the version they're going with, it seems like, mm-hmm. if you saw Ace Chemicals in the city, then... Um, I want the first time for me to see that to 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 be then. Yes. Um, or maybe even just the week before and we only get glimpses. Um, Honestly, I feel like this is something DC is just going to keep under wraps as long as they can. I would hope so. I just feel like with the internet being as it is, something will leak. So let's just keep our fingers crossed that fans will be good sports and they won't leak this out. Let's hope that at the same time, if they post it, I'm not going to look away, but I know, um, but, but even if they do, or even if they did, the fact is without having to see what he looks like, Mm -hmm. we believe that's Joker. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, um, we don't have to be told that that's Joker with Jared Leto's. It's sort of like, you have to believe, no, no, trust me. That's, that's the Joker. We're like, he looks Joker-ish, but is that really him? This one, it's like, oh no, that's him. Yeah, he, I mean, he doesn't have the makeup. He doesn't have the you know the white face yet, or or the or the uh, the, the, the water gun that's actually a Tommy gun, or but, even just the very deformed, just like uh, unnatural, grinny, toothy, like creepiness. No, yeah. he's not there yet, but but it's him. I buy that. I believe that's him. Yeah. So, so well, we'll have to see. I like I said, well, come October fourth. So uh, we're doing a lot of promotion for UDC, so we should be getting paid right now. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that's it for our show. Um, uh, David, if uh, people want to follow you or, you know, see what you're doing, uh, how can they do that? Um, you can follow me at, uh, at my, um, DeviantArt at, 
Omnipotent, which is like omnipotent, but with an R, mm -hmm. like the name Trent. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, same for Twitter, Omnipotent, uh, rated M, where I posted uh, 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 some of the art that I do. I do commissions, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, on Insta, I am the Blue Bill of Skill, mm -hmm. uh, where I basically just uh, showcase um, a lot of... Uh, the cosplays mm -hmm. that I do for things and some of my art, yep. some of which include both art and cosplays I've done myself of Joker. Mm -hmm. um, which is a big reason why I brought you on today, because oh, yeah. I had feel like if there's anyone who's going to know more about the Joker, it's going to be David. But yeah, um, you can also follow me on uh, Instagram at Nathan underscore Stone underscore Films. You can also follow me here at the Film Illiterates podcast. I do these wonderful podcasts with Joe and Alex every so often. And I'm not going to give out my Facebook handle because... I don't post anything important there. Um, but yeah, that is our show. Um, and I guess like as we uh, record this, it's going to be probably before or after uh, Hellboy just came out. So we'll have to see how that goes. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so if anyone else uh, has other stuff that they want to, us to talk about, feel free to message us. Uh, other than that, you guys all have a great week and we'll see you around. Joe, uh, come back because I suck at podcasting. I think you do a better job than me. <laughs> <laughs>